0: Hello and welcome to Search for Truth. I'm John and I thank you for your company as we join Brian, our Bible teacher, for the fourth talk in this series called Show Me the Way. Brian's called today's talk Belonging to the Way. True Christian fellowship is such a strength and blessing these days, I find. In contrast, it's almost become the norm to hardly ever speak to our near neighbours in the communities where we live here in England. Life can be so busy and hectic. But let's go to Brian now and hear what it means to belong to the way.
1: Four ways to grow as a Christian believer are by reading the Bible, by actively sharing our faith, by meeting together with other Christians and by praying regularly. They're all biblical, for the Apostle Peter encouraged his readers to remember the words of the prophets and apostles. He specifically mentioned the biblical writings of the Apostle Paul. And throughout the Bible, we have the examples of Timothy, Joshua and the kings of Israel who were directed to read God's word publicly as well as personally. Then we know the Lord Jesus himself called on his followers to be his witnesses in sharing the Christian message with friends and acquaintances. Again, something they could do individually and as a church. So that's reading the Bible and witnessing. And then individual Christians are told in the Bible not to forsake, that is not to abandon, the gathering of themselves together in the New Testament churches of God. And among the gatherings were times when they came together to pray. Pray without ceasing, Paul says. Not non-stop prayer, of course, for that would be impossible. The same word long ago was used to describe the hacking cough that someone had. They weren't coughing non-stop. But if you were ever in that person's company, you'd be left in no doubt that they would a cough that was persistent. So we as Christian believers are commanded to develop a regular habit of prayer, church prayer, as well as a personal prayer life. In a moment, we'll see how all these practical points for Christian living, reading the Bible, witnessing, meeting together with other Christians and praying, All those practical points were in evidence in the first Christian community at Jerusalem. But first of all, let's remind ourselves of the well-known story of the dramatic conversion of Saul of Tarsus as he was travelling to Damascus. It begins with these words. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The people Saul was looking for were Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. What interests us in this series is that they're described as belonging to the way. What was the sense of belonging? And how, in any case, did they come to belong to this well-defined movement, which in the early New Testament times was a community simply referred to as the Way? Those are the questions we'll be exploring in this talk today. This first community of Christian believers, known then as the Way, lived out the things taught to them by the Lord. We are first introduced to this community as a Bible-studying, witnessing, worshipping and praying community in Acts chapter 2. And certainly, the impression we get is of a learning that lived, a fellowship that functioned, a worship that warmed, and a praying that powered. It was a vibrant community. And out of love, they provided for each other's practical needs. Listen to this extract from Acts chapter 2, talking about their togetherness and real community spirit. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common, sharing them with all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, and the Lord was adding to their number. That's interesting. The Lord was adding to their number. That was how this movement called The Way grew. Others didn't just casually associate themselves with it. It was God who gave the increase. More details of this are found in Acts chapter 5. It tells us they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. The community of the way was a distinctive movement of God. We've just read of those who didn't belong to the way. They were described as the rest and the people. This comment comes immediately after the passage describing the death under God's judgment of Ananias and his wife Sapphira. They died for conspiring to deceive the leaders of this early Christian community. This had a very noticeable deterrent effect, it would seem. It served as a warning for those whose hearts were not right with God. Ananias had been a wealthy man, And perhaps it was the rest of the influential people, as yet unconverted, who recoiled from any casual association with this group. Whereas the others mentioned could well refer to the common people, who despite holding the community of Christian disciples in high esteem, were also on the outside looking in. God would set the boundary of his gathered together people. Any increase to their number would be on his initiative." And so we see that to be a believer in the Lord was one thing. Wonderful as that was, since it brought with it the great blessing of salvation, it wasn't the whole story. Last week we saw that those who believed were baptised in water. Now what we're seeing is that the step after baptism is the step of addition to the fellowship of God's people locally. Far from this being something we take upon ourselves, These Bible passages make it clear this is the Lord's initiative in our hearts, one which we, at a human level, have a duty to respond to. So back again to these early Christians who were belonging to the way. When persecution came, they supported each other in prayer. When problems came that threatened their treasured unity, they looked to one another for the answers. They were clearly interdependent. They needed each other just as we need each other. The story is told of the effect upon others of the absence of a believer from church gatherings. The man concerned had faithfully been in attendance every week for many years, but for the past couple of weeks had been absent. One of the other believers decided to pay the man a visit at his small cottage. Upon knocking, the door was opened almost immediately, as if the occupant had been expecting a visit. After exchanging pleasantries, they both sat down beside the open fire in the living room, which brought a welcome warmth to the situation. Nothing was said. They both just sat there, gazing into the vivid amber glow of the fire. This took away any awkwardness. After a few minutes, the visitor reached forward and with some tongs, carefully removed a glowing red-hot ember and placed it on the hearthstone beside the fire. Both men fixed their gaze on it, watching as its glow faded, so that all that was left was a charred black coal. He then took the tongs again and placed the coal back into the fire, where it immediately began to glow again until it became red hot. Another minute or two passed. Then the visiting brother got up and made his way to the door. The householder helped him on with his coat. Not a word had been said since they sat down in front of the fire, but with tears in his eyes, the man simply looked at him and said, Thank you so much for visiting, and thank you for your fiery sermon. I'll see you back at church again next Sunday. You and I need each other. When we try to go it alone, or when we don't give priority to being with our fellow believers, the glow of our love the glow of our enthusiasm and commitment to the Lord rapidly fades and grows cold. How often have you been encouraged by a fellow disciple's joy in the Lord? How often have you received the sound, wise advice of an older Christian? How often have you been helped and comforted through some difficult situation by the shared experience of another Christian? It was surely like that in the first Christian community, among those who belonged to the way. You see, we were created by God to be interdependent, not independent. All God's revealed purposes in the past, through Abraham to Moses and beyond, were centred on the establishment of a community of believers who would come together in unity of heart and purpose, in close relationship not only with each other, but also with God. So close, in fact, that God repeatedly referred to them as my people in the Old Testament it's not in the least bit surprising then to find that same value and importance given to the idea of community in the New Testament amongst those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are first introduced to it, as we say, in Acts chapter 2, where we also read, Those who had received his word were baptised, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. This was the beginning of something that would develop right through the New Testament writings. Everywhere on the pages of the New Testament we meet those who belong to a well-defined community of born-again disciples, all baptised by immersion in water, all added locally to Church of God Fellowship, all serving according to one pattern of teaching in every place, all maintained under a fellowship of elders while being separated to God. If we are to follow their example, there's no room for a lowest common denominator approach today. Was it not our Lord's expressed desire for his followers that they may all be one? That's what he prays in John 17. Unity like this can only be reached through a sincere commitment on our part to carefully follow the pattern the Lord has laid down in his word. Next time, we hope to have more of a look into what really is the biblical teaching pattern for this authentic Christian community and its service. God calls us as individuals, it's true, but then he shows us in the Bible how we should come together with other believers who have the same desire to follow the Lord obediently. The unity we've been emphasising is really important to the Lord so important in fact he even spoke about it as he was going out to die. Now if that's the case shouldn't we make sure we're in a community today that corresponds exactly with that first Christian community of those who belonged to the way?
0: Thanks, Brian. Brian made the point that the Lord was adding to their number. Now, if you felt the Spirit move you today to desire church fellowship that is in keeping with New Testament teaching, then please allow the Lord to work in your heart. You'll be blessed as a result, I'm sure. And if you've questions or difficulties or need advice, we're here to offer help for the sake of the Lord whom we serve. Also, If you want to consider today's talk in greater depth, we have a free transcript booklet available for this series and it includes all the Bible verses Brian's referred to. If you'd like a booklet sent or some for group study, please contact us. Ask for the title, Show Me The Way, and if you're using the post, the address is search for truth, P.O. Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H, and the postcode is wn 7 one W J England. The email address is sft@churchesofgod.info. You may also be interested to access programmes and helpful advice on our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Now that's all we have for today, unfortunately. But if you can please join us next week, where we're looking at the way of the truth. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers Justine and Stephen, and me, John. Thanks for listening, and may God richly bless you.